0: Physical fitness is a conservative value. This is Rob Smith's Problematic. Physical fitness, that is taking care of your body in the way you present yourself to the world, is a conservative value. This may seem like an odd thing to try to politicize, but it is true because the left has politicized the exact opposite. Just think about The messages that you see coming from the left and that you see coming from the other side about physical fitness. The left has spent decades normalizing obesity under the guise of fat acceptance and body positivity. Well, I'm going to be extremely problematic here and tell you that both of these things are complete and utter horseshit. Why? First of all, and I'm just going to be blunt about this. You are judged more harshly in the society if you are overweight. It is true. And there is no reason for me to lie to you about this because I have seen it with my own two eyes. I've seen it in my own experience. And I have seen it in this world. And I know this. I know this because I was once overweight. Yes, problematics. I was fat. Yes, I've gained a little bit of COVID weight, and we'll get into that later, but... I used to be even 35 pounds heavier than I am right now. And when I finally did drop the weight and get it together, I noticed the difference in the way the world treated me. People are nicer. I made new friends. I made more money. I got a lot more attention from both men and women, which is strange. It's surprising, but it's true. And so the big lie about body positivity and fat acceptance and all of this other crap is that people will accept it. People will just accept you as an overweight person or another person that is overweight, and they will treat you the same and pay you the same, and that other people are just going to lie about the fact that they are made physically uncomfortable by your presence. And like I said earlier, the reason why I say that Physical fitness and all of these things are, are becoming a conservative value, which I don't think that they should be. I think that they should just be American values. But this is becoming a conservative value because now you are shamed for saying things like this. You are shamed for having an interest in physical fitness. As a matter of fact, there was a piece uh, in The Guardian, this left-wing UK uh, website, a couple of weeks ago, it said something about if Someone around you is expressing interest in, in physical fitness um, or working out or going to the gym or eating healthy, like they're going down a path to, to far right extremism or they're going down to a path to, to being conservative or being a Republican. Because in 2021, talking openly and honestly about physical fitness in the way that I am is now a conservative thing or is not a Republican thing. So, so it's absolutely true. So when you are heavy, People who are leaner, who are smaller, will literally be physically uncomfortable by your presence. It's sad but true. You know, this is a very real thing. So about 10 or 11 years ago, I met Janet Jackson at an album signing. Now, guys, I am a Janet Jackson super fan. I mean massive. And at the time, I was quite massive. I was heavy. I was just a heavy dude. I had just moved to New York City. I was working um, a full-time nine-to-five job in media. I wasn't eating well. I certainly wasn't working out in the way that I should have. So I was very heavy. I was probably about 235 pounds at the time. To put this in some context, I would say right now as you're seeing me on on my videos or on TV or whatever, I say right now I'm generally hovering between about 195 and, and 200 pounds. So add about 35 to 40 pounds on that, uh, which is, by the way, guys, a five foot ten frame. I am not a very tall man. I'm not short, but I'm not tall. So this is a lot of weight on a five foot ten frame. And I will never forget in person, Janet Jackson is tiny, tiny, tiny. I mean, she is five foot nothing, and at that point, she's probably about a hundred pounds. And I'll never forget, you know, meeting Janet Jackson, being a super fan, and it was like, oh my god, and and this tiny woman was just so uncomfortable by how big I was. And not just how heavy I was, but just by I was physically bigger than her and her bodyguards were all there. I'll never forget, uh, you know, being a, a Janet Jackson super fan, and, and, and her being so put off by my presence. And I think back to that day, it's not, not Janet's fault. Like, I don't obviously don't hold any ill will to her. I'm a massive fan. I just paid a, a ridiculous amount of money to go to a concert. And I believe this was 2019 before the pandemic and before everything happened. So this is not about her. This is about me. Um, it's about the fact that I was heavy and she was put off by my presence. So look, guys, I'm a, I'm a real person. My body issues, as many of ours do, come from adolescence. If you've read my book, you know that I was abused in all kinds of ways by my stepfather. But the one that has lasted the most is the fact that he gave me this weight complex in high school. He would say things like, you know, oh, you're fat. I remember there was this one time we were at a Chinese place, my favorite food ever, like to this day, one of my favorite cheat meals is I'll go to the Chinese place and I will get like chicken fried rice and like five chicken wings. That'll be like my thing. That's my favorite cheat meal. And I remember he asked a complete stranger in line. He was like, yeah, do you think he's fat? And he's like pointing at me. I like, mind you at the time, I'm like 13 years old. And so the worst part about that was that he gives me this weight complex in high school without ever thinking of giving me the tools to do anything about it. That is the crucial part here because we can talk about obesity and, and we can say people are heavy, blah, blah, blah. But if you're not giving people the tools to do something about it, which I will in this episode as we go on this journey because this is about physical fitness, then you're just complaining. You're not really doing anything positive. So, in fact, when I was a bit heavier in high school, I was called fat by a lot of people around me without, and this is important, giving me the tools to do anything about it. So, my weight issues continued until I was in the military. And if you also, if you've read my book, you know that I struggled a lot in basic training because I was so heavy and because I was so out of shape. And I got through it and I dropped the weight, of course, because being in the Army and in U.S. Army infantry basic training is such an intensely physical Time of life, but in college and after college, the weight crept back on. So at this point, you know, meeting Janet Jackson right after college, right in my first year of nine to five work in New York City, I got up to around 235 pounds. Now, it's about 12 years ago. I have slowly but surely lost about 50 pounds in the past decade. At my leanest, I am about 180. So as of right now, I'm hovering at about between 195 and 200 pounds. And the way that I initially lost the weight, this is post-military, was getting active, was exercising, physical fitness. I became a bit of a gym fanatic. And I have to say, now, if you are thinking about getting in shape or you're thinking about getting your body together, because this is the month that we do this, and I know that There was so much politics going on. Like, I really had to get some of that stuff out of the way. And and I know that, you know, I've pissed pissed you guys off with a lot of my politics over the past couple of weeks. But I didn't want January to pass us by without doing an episode on physical fitness because this is the time of year when most people say, okay, it is time to get my body back together it is time to get back in shape or to get in shape for the first time, and this is what I'm going to do it. you know, New year, new you, you want to start the year off on a fresh start, right? So if you are looking to do this, and if you're still listening, you probably are, you are not going to get into the shape that you need to get into if you are not working out and eating correctly. You have to do both. So in the earlier days, so I'd work out about five, six days a week and, and gradually got down to about 195 to 200 pounds, right? So that is where I was. In my younger days, you're able to just beat everything off in the gym. you were able to just work out and do this. And I was eating cheese and drinking every day and eating fried chicken a couple days a week and whatever. But how I got down to my leanest in the photo I used to promote this week's episode, because you know, when you throw out thirst traps, you throw them out for a reason. It's something called the Whole30. And this is what I want to share with you guys, fellow problematics. And by the way, this is not product placement at all. I I wish (laughs) I could get some money from Whole30 for doing this. I am not getting any money. This is not product placement. This is just something that has worked for me. So with the Whole30, you go an entire month just eating whole foods. That's it. You're only eating lean meats, fruits, and vegetables. That's it. You're eating real food. You're not drinking any booze. No, not even White Claws. And, you know, when I was thinking about doing the whole theory again, I was like, oh, can I just drink White Claws? No, guys, no White Claws. (laughs) No booze, no processed food, no pasta or bread or grains, and certainly no candy. I used to have a massive candy problem. I don't know where it came from. And, and not only just candy, not just like a piece of dark chocolate or something like that. I'm talking about the kind of freaking food candy that is barely food. I'm talking about Skittles and and Starburst and gummy worms and the things that are, like I said, not even food. And so this is the issue that I had. So on the Whole30, you're certainly not doing any candy. So no pasta, no bread, no grains, no candy, no processed food, no booze it worked wonders on me physically and mentally and emotionally so i did the whole 30 my first whole 30 back in 2018 while my schedule was in some ways more intense than it is right now because i was working a nine to five for 40 hours a week so i'm not working a nine to five anymore i don't have this set schedule every day i did this for a month in 2018 and lost about 15 pounds And I want to talk to you about the ways that this experience was so amazing and how physical fitness is so counterculture because it battles every idea that the left is pushing to you after the break. I'm talking about all this stuff because I'm I'm going to start this whole theory game. Even on my frame right now, the 15 extra pounds that I have are not bad. I'm certainly not obese. I'm certainly not fat. But am I operating to the best of my abilities right now? No, absolutely not. I know I could look better than this. And this goes to the conversation about personal responsibility and why I think physical fitness is a conservative value because if I know that I'm 15 pounds heavier than I should be right now and I know that there is something that I can do about it that's going to require a little bit of discipline and I don't do it, it means that I'm not taking personal responsibility for my own physical fitness. And when I did this for a month, and I lost about 15 pounds, it was an amazing experience, partially because it is so counterculture. We talk a lot about what it means to be conservative nowadays. But to me, a part of cultural conservatism is rejecting the messages that come from mass media. And when it comes to food and what you put into your body, the messages that come from mass media are all about consuming things that are very, very bad for you. There is a gym in my building that I obviously visit religiously. I visit it every day right now. Right now, I'm in this strange workout sort of like food fitness cycle, which is where I work out religiously. I still work out six days a week. I still weight train. I still do spin classes. I still do everything else. But I am not moderating my eating right now. So I'm just in a holding pattern. I'm literally doing everything I can to do just to maintain because I'm not being strict about my eating. But anyway, I do still work out pretty much every single day in my building. I do, I do weights in my building gym. Then I go do about a 45-minute spin class about three, four times a week. So on the TVs in the gym, it's playing ESPN nonstop. Guess what I see ads for every single day? Taco Bell, Burger King, Wendy's, fast food crap. And it is crap that, look, okay, look, it's fine every once in a while, maybe once a week. Look, last Friday, I may have had a couple of Nachos Supremes and some Nachos Grande while I was watching TV with my friends. Okay, maybe I did that. But we all know that this is cool maybe once a week tops, maybe twice. But we all know the vast majority of people consume this crap multiple times a week. It is why America has an obesity epidemic, which, by the way... It's part of the reason why nationalized healthcare is such an awful idea, because the healthy among us will be subsidizing the very unhealthy among us. So this stuff is why Cosmopolitan has this group of new covers with a bunch of obese, unhealthy-looking women in yoga poses with the tagline, "Uh, healthy at any size. Which is a lie, because these women are not healthy. These women are obese, Yet the left is working overtime to convince you that down is up. Men are women. Obese people are healthy. This stuff just isn't true. And for your own good and the good of the people around you that love you, you have to reject these ideas. Because we're quickly slipping into two tiers of society. There are those who are sick and unhealthy. And I mean sick in a lot of different ways sick from too much social media, too much news media, too much consumption. And there are those who are healthy, those who have a healthy use of social media, those who keep their bodies and spirit healthy. Because your health is your wealth. And for too many of us who sought food as solace, we find ourselves eating unhealthy things that make us feel bad. I mean, have you? Taking a look at some of these Antifa mugshots out of Portland, do you think that these people are working out and watching what they eat? No, because they're part of a lower tier of society, a lower class society. Number one, they're far-left Antifa lunatics. Number two, they're also not taking care of themselves, and they've obviously been warped by social media. So no, these people are not watching what they eat. But now, look, it is time for me to take some of my own tough medicine. Yes, problematics, because... I talk a lot of shit here. I'm a lot of shit on Fox News. i talk a lot of shit in my videos. But I like to practice what I preach. One of the reasons I think that America is the greatest country on earth is because it doesn't take much to live a very privileged life here. We are comfortable. As Americans, I think that sometimes what people don't realize is that we have such a surplus of There's so much of everything. There's so much food. Again, uh, There's so much alcohol. There's so much of everything. So we get comfortable. I am comfortable. In fact, I got a little too comfortable. Because during the COVID lockdown, like a lot of you, I didn't really know how to deal with it. I still deal with emotional eating issues. To this day, it's, it's something that I that I deal with. And there's sometimes when, when I'm dealing with food, it's like, okay, am I eating because I'm hungry? Am I eating because I'm bored? Or if I want to go down to Popeye's or Publix or and get some fried chicken, or if I want to go to Taco Bell and get three um, Taco Supremes and a nachos bell grind, if I want to do any of these things, why am I doing them? Um, am I doing them because I'm hungry or because I'm bored or because I'm eating because I'm I'm trying to fill some hole emotionally. I, I still deal with that. So during the COVID lockdown, I ate a lot, and I drank a lot, sometimes to the tune of a bottle of Prosecco a day. I ordered in takeout, I ate chips and candy and all of the crap that I had been training my body to get rid of for years. So, that whole 30 body that I was so proud of, that I was able to maintain for about two years just by eating the right things and working out, kind of went to seed. Like I said, I gained about 25 pounds. I saw it. You saw it. We all saw it. I got heavy. I got heavy. You know, you saw, you know, little cheeks on Fox News and, you know, a little rounded chin. It's okay. It's whatever. But now that I'm in Florida, and I've been able to slip into a healthy lifestyle again. I've dropped about 10 of those pounds, but I've still got 15 to go. And that is why I am doing another Whole30. And I'm committing on this day, at this episode, that I'm going to start another Whole30. And I would love for you all to join me. So if you would like to join me, head to my Instagram, at Rob where I'm going to be doing videos every single week. And we can build... A bit of community around this because if we hold ourselves accountable, I think problematics, I think that this is something that we can do together. Now, if you're going to go to Instagram and join me on this journey, I, this is something that I highly, highly, highly recommend. If you've never done a Whole 30 before, there is a book. It's a little diary. It's called Whole 30 Day by Day. It's on Amazon and. If you get this diary, you don't have to get like the whole Whole30 book because this this little diary is kind of like a journal. They will tell you exactly what the Whole30 is, what you, what you can do, what you cannot do, and you will be able to write every single day. You'll be able to have a food diary, and you will write like how you felt, and you can just write just different things that you did on that day. And I'm telling you, when I completed my Whole30, I don't know if I could have done it without this diary. So go to Amazon, get Whole30 day by day, and it will help you out. All right, so let's just pause and take a quick break. In physical fitness terms, we call that a a set break. And uh, we'll get back to it right after the break. The reasons why I'm getting in shape are many. First of all, I like looking good. I am on television or on camera in some capacity pretty much five days a week. It is my job to look good. But it is also you guys' job to look good too. And it doesn't matter if you're on TV or not. It's your job to look good and to be in shape and to project the image of somebody that cares about their physical fitness because people will respond to you better, they will pay you more money, they will treat you better, and they will be more respectful of you. Because the way you look and the way you present yourself to the world says something about you to people before they even know who you are before you even open your mouth. And I don't know about all of you, but I wanna look as good as possible. I hope that you will all join me on this Whole30 journey on my Instagram account at RobSmithOnline. Because I don't know about y'all, but I have a lot of work to do. So let's get started. And speaking of work, My guest today, Dan Goh, has dedicated his life to helping high-achieving entrepreneurs reach their fitness goals. And I will be speaking with him right after the break. Now, we've been talking a lot about health and fitness and my own personal weight loss journey. And you guys know I don't do a whole lot of interviews here, but this interview is very special. So my guest today is named Dan Goh. He has dedicated his life to helping high achieving entrepreneurs and just people in general to reach their fitness goals. And I'm so pleased to be speaking with him. Dan, welcome to the show, brother.
1: Thank you, Rob. It has been a long time coming for us to meet and for us to converse. So. Very glad that's happening in this format, and thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to your audience.
0: No, absolutely. So I want to tell you guys, you know, we we uh, my podcast is Rob Smith is problematic. We call my listeners the Problematics, and Problematics. I, I discovered Dan on Twitter because for me, you know, you guys follow me for the politics, and and we do all the politics and left, right, whatever. And I discovered Dan, Dan Go from sort of like fitness and, and self-improvement Twitter, which is my actually my favorite subset of Twitter. So uh, I, I think that I've seen some people that I follow like his stuff, and, and he talks a lot about health and fitness. He talks about a lot of entrepreneurship, but he also talks a lot about how he used to be. A a unhealthy person as well. So I wanted to ask you, Dan, uh, what is your personal weight weight loss journey and and how did you get started on this path?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, So I started, I would say, at rock bottom. Uh, My whole concept of eating as I was growing up was uh, two Big Macs, actually having Actually, having a full-on McDonald's meal, like a Big Mac meal, and then having another Big Mac on top of that—that that would be like our dinner. Bro, and, uh, I come. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a lot, man. I come from I come from a latchkey family, yeah. so our families our family was just working the entire time, and they couldn't like my mom couldn't come back home and cook dinner for us, so she wanted us acclimated into the North American society as much as possible, so she got us like. Nothing but takeout Chinese food, McDonald's, and everything that you can think of. It it was tasty, but uh, but it ended up making us feel very lazy and fat. And
0: so let me ask you this before before you keep going. You said your mother wanted to acclimate you to the North America way of living. So where are you from originally?
1: I'm. So I was born in the Philippines, and we moved from the Philippines over to the United States, and we lived in Connecticut. Uh, for about three years. And then afterwards, uh, we couldn't get our green card when we were in the States. So uh, funny enough, uh, some, of our, some of our family actually ended up staying in the States and becoming quote-unquote illegal, if that makes any sense. And then for, uh, for me uh, and our family, we ended up moving to Canada to get our citizenship.
0: So it's very interesting that your view of how Americans eat was the fast food, the the Big Macs and all of that stuff. Where do you think that came from? Or where do you think your your uh, mother got it from?
1: First of all, it's tasty. Oh, of course. You know, it's I designed mean, to be tasty. Ever, if you ever eat a Big Mac and fries, it's just so tasty. But I think she just got it from North American living in general. It's uh, it's, it's kind of like if you want to be an American or if you want to be a Canadian, it's like what's the most family-friendly thing to eat? It would be McDonald's. Right. And we did keep a little bit of our culture by like ordering Chinese Chinese food and, and whatnot. But uh but yeah, we, we essentially got McDonald's and that was one of our favorite meals, McDonald's and pizza. <laughs> Spaghetti and things of that nature. You know, and uh and, and I grew up on that food. I actually well, we're about like one foot taller than our parents, so I do think it had maybe a little bit to do with, you know, eating that food and you know, growing and being a little bit more tolerant, all those hormones that are in those foods in general. So, yeah, so, you know, it was just, I don't don't think they consciously did it in the sense where they want to acclimate us and be like, eat this food but it just seemed like it was the most convenient option possible.
0: And it's it's very interesting because you were speaking to, and I want you to speak a little bit more to this, because you said you were eating all of this stuff. And the thing about this fast food is that, like I was telling these guys before the break, I love this stuff. I mean, I was kind of like born and raised on this stuff as well. Taco Bell, Burger King, Wendy's, The stuff tastes great, but you're left with this kind of crash because it really does make you feel bad.
1: It makes you feel horrible and... The funny thing is, is that you feel hungry right after you're mm-hmm. done. You're like, okay, well, I'm done two Big Macs, supersized fries, and I just downed a Coke, uh, supersized Coke. Now, why do I feel like I need an apple pie after this? Why do I feel like I need a bowl of ice cream after this? It's just, it's almost like it just kind of makes you so addicted to the taste and the sugars, and it just makes you want to grab for more. And the, and the fact is, is that you're not you don't get full off of these meals whatsoever uh these meals kind of just induce this hunger and that's why people just have this uncontrollable urge every single time you eat it and i'll throw something in there as well we used to eat potato chips like crazy man potato chips were my jam back then same and uh i could be i could be done like one big bag of potato chips in maybe like half an hour and i'd probably go to the cbs or chopper's drug Mart. And uh, just get another bag of chips.
0: Because it's not filling. And I, I love potato chips as well. Those, those are kind of like one of my, I don't I don't want to call them a trigger food. But the thing about eating potato chips is that, you know, the crunch is so satisfying and they taste so good. But you realize that it is the definition of just empty eating because you really can't eat bags and bags of these things and never be full. And I don't know if they're genetically engineered to, to be this way, but that's totally right. So... Oh, for sure they are, man. For sure they are, right? It's like... Yeah. So you were doing this. Um, you were eating in this way because it, it seems to me uh, that you, know, you just didn't really know any other way to eating because sometimes people... Uh, we have similar backgrounds in that I was just fed whatever was convenient and I didn't really learn how to eat until like, I think my early 20s. So when was kind of your turning point? Because I know your pinned tweet um, and give them your your Twitter handle, by the way. My Twitter handle is at FitFounder. OK, so his Twitter handle is at FitFounder and his pinned tweet is uh, like him. his turning point is the side by side. So you're 20 years old. You're like super heavy, you know, obviously, you know, out of shape, uh didn't look like you were feeling great, and then to the right is what he looks like now, which is like lean, ripped, all this stuff. So so tell us a little bit about that transformation and how it came about. For sure. Uh, I believe it's uh, two different stories. So one of
1: them was uh, I used to be a pre-athletic guy back then in high school and back in public school, and then once I kind of uh, left the school, it kind of just went downhill from there. I remember it was like maybe two years or three years afterwards I've been – binge drinking on the weekends, I've been smoking cigarettes and I actually decided that I needed to do something about my body. So I ended up playing basketball again. So, first basketball game I ever played, I'm huffing and puffing. We're not even done half the game and I feel like I have to throw up. And I sit on the sideline and I come back into the game and then I go run again. And then I feel something in my chest just jiggle up and down as I'm running. And then I'm I'm not telling any of my friends this, you know, because I'm just like, this is weird. I end up going into the bathroom. I take off my shirt. And that was like my first realization that I had man
0: boobs. Oh, no. The dreaded, the dreaded moobs. Yes, the dreaded moobs. Like once
1: I had that, I don't know how anyone else feels when they have man boobs. But to me, that was my warning signal. I was like, oh, my God, I got to do something about this now. Now, I decided to play basketball to get in shape. That wasn't necessarily working. And then, lo and behold, my dad started going to the gym at like 6 a.m. in the morning. We see him come back at like 7, 7.30. And we're just like, he didn't even say anything. He just kept on going to the gym. And we found out that my mom had actually got him a gym pass. And he just started going because his business had him working anywhere from like 12 to sometimes 24 hours. You know, they would sleep at the printing shop that we owned and just to like make a dollar for us. And then uh, we would actually see him go into the gym and getting himself in shape. And I saw that and I was like, that's kind of cool. And then lo and behold, uh, the gym gives him a one month pass to give to anyone in his family. He gives it to my older brother. My older brother's like, no, you know, just like his clothes, he's passing it down to me, his younger brother. And then I took the gym pass and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And I thought about it in one of two ways. One, I might get to see some, you know, really hot members of the opposite sex. And that'll be the best of it. You know, at the worst of it, you know, or actually that's the worst. The best of it is maybe I get in shape. Who knows? So I end up taking like a bodybuilding magazine with me to the gym and start doing all these workouts, doing horribly. And then one week later, I put on my belt inside the change room and I look. I have lost I actually lost a lot a notch in my belt and I didn't do I didn't change my diet all I did was weight training and I was just like what the heck is going on and that was actually my first taste of results and after that I was just like you know what I'm in love with this thing this thing is cool this gym is actually pretty cool I get to see really hot people and at the same time I get to get myself in shape that's like a double win. And then you
0: become one of the hot people in the gym. <laughs> I'm still trying right now. Still trying, you know, hopefully, hopefully
1: I'll get there, Rob. You know, hopefully I get to. to rob oh, please.
0: Switch. No, no, you're not. Trust me. I need to get the day and go status. I was just telling these guys um, that, you know, so when these lockdowns happened uh, and, and I was telling a little bit about my, you know, my past and my background earlier in the episode, but uh, I, I have these emotional eating triggers. And so when the lockdown came, I'm just like, I'm locked down. I'm in New York City, Brooklyn, just like hating my life and just started drinking and eating very heavily, drinking a bottle per prosecco a day, just eating all these chips, like doing all of this stuff. And I was in, I had gotten into decent shape, but I put on about... I think I put on about 25 pounds on lockdown, and I've gotten rid of about 10 of those just because I moved down to Florida to freedom, and now I can work out and and I can live a healthy life, but now I'm just trying to, to get those last 15 off. And the reason why I wanted to do this episode this week is because I wanted to get this in before the end of January because I know that a lot of people want to start paying attention to their fitness at the beginning of the year. And so for you, as the expert, I just am somebody who... I, I, I do work out, I'm pretty good at following you know, a diet or, or whatever, but you are the expert. So to our listeners who really want to get healthy, what is your best piece of advice to them?
1: That's a very good question. The first thing that comes to mind is, is always making sure that the plan is fitting your lifestyle and not the other way yeah. around. I believe that when people start to do things that make them feel like they're swimming upstream, it, it, it actually causes more harm than, than it does benefit. So let's make an example. Um, everyone thinks that they need to do the keto diet in order to lose weight. And I always ask my clients this, I'm like, well, can you see yourself staying away from carbs for the rest mm-hmm. of your life? And all of them are like, no, I'm gonna bring it back at some point. So my question, my, my answer to that, or my question back to them is like, why don't you learn how to lose weight while eating carbs? Because you can do that, you know? And we want to incorporate as many things part, that are a part of our lifestyle. And of course, we have to like make compromises, right? And you can't be drinking a bottle of Prosecco because you love it and think that you're going to get in shape. You know, there are going to be some compromises that you have to make. But in general, the plan should actually fit your life. And the last actually the second thing, which is the most important, is you have to make the plan as simplistic as possible. For everybody, because everybody has a complex life. Like Rob Smith, you got your Twitter account, you got this podcast, you've got this, uh, you got this brand that you're trying yeah. to push. You don't, you don't need anything that is complicated in your life in order to get in shape. Like what a lot of people will do is like, oh, you need to eat this amount of like micronutrients and you know, oh, the food, macros and the this and the that. Yeah. Oh my well, god! I I still believe in macros, you know, but at the same time, it's like i think a lot of people try to make getting shape overly complex and a lot of times i'm working with founders i'm working with guys who are building incredible businesses they have so much complexity in their lives i actually have to simplify it for them so if i were to actually simplify everything that we do for our clients and i don't want to make it too simple but it looks like this number one find a diet that actually fits your lifestyle find your natural rhythm of eating because we're all machines. Uh, we work with routines. Uh, we love schedules. Our bodies love to be on a schedule. If you have ever had a dog, you know, you feed them at the same time. He, He wants to eat at the same time. So find a rhythm of eating that actually works for you. That's number one. Number two is simplify your workout by only doing it to build muscle. Don't try to use it to burn fat whatsoever, because if you're trying to build muscle and burn fat with the diet basically you're ha- you're doing none at the same time and you're actually you're probably doing more harm than good
0: so you don't think that it's a good idea to do cardio because uh because i have seen this on your twitter feed and i have had questions about that i personally I-, I think that and i've kind of started seeing the difference of this so i do a lot of cardio um i probably mm-hmm. do about like 3 to 4 spin classes a week and probably about you know one or two 30 minute you know um 30 minutes on the treadmill a week. And I I started realizing this, that at first I was doing it just to burn fat, just to burn fat. I don't think that works. I think now it's more of a mental thing. I like sweating a lot. Um, I just think it's good for my skin. I just think that I like being heart healthy. So you're saying that way too many people are depending on cardio to burn fat.
1: Yes, I think you're doing it the right way because number one, the skin issue The skin issue is huge or the the actual, like, I I do feel like when you sweat, you actually do have way better skin. That's number one. But also cardiovascular exercise is great for the brain. Yeah. Right. You feel like you're sharp after you do cardio, you know, if it's, if it's not a, obviously I'm not talking CrossFit. I actually do think CrossFit classes kind of just obliterate people and make them feel like they're drained. But If it's like a very focused cardio session right afterwards you do work and you're like i'm on fire holy crap right so i had this thing where it's like hey do cardio in a way that you enjoy not necessarily to burn fat before the brain benefits yeah but don't feel like you have to be forced or chained to a treadmill or a spin class or whatever or doing something that you don't enjoy in order to burn more fat because as we know and as we've kind of like found through Science, research, and all this kind of stuff, it's like when you do cardio for fat loss, it's kind of like trying to take a teaspoon and empty out the ocean. Yeah. So, so I love it for the brain benefits, and my whole thing with cardio, again, is do things that you enjoy. If you love getting pushed in the spin class, go yeah. for it. Personally, for me, I love surfing, I love boxing, I love walking, you know, so I do those things as well, you know. so. So, again, with cardio for fat loss, don't do it for that specific purpose, but do it because you want your brain to feel like it's working properly.
0: See, that's great. That makes me That makes me feel good. See, I, I'm so glad. Yeah. See, I, I don't have a lot of guests, but I bring guests on that actually have something to offer and you have a lot to offer. So, before yeah. before we go, because I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, I want to ask you, yeah. because I talked earlier in this episode about... You know, America has an obesity problem. Uh, we do. Uh, we there. We have an obesity epidemic, and I want to know your opinion on what do you think that are the biggest factors in this obesity epidemic that that we have in America today.
1: I feel like I know this, and I don't want to seem overconfident in answering this, but it's a combination of two things. Number one, we have been programmed to move and to work as humans, so. Since the 21st century, since we've actually gone into the information age, every single one of our jobs—or not every single one, mind you—a lot of our jobs, a good percentage of them, have moved to knowledge work. Yeah. Here you are on this podcast, yeah. right? Here you are building your brand. Guess where you're building your brand? From your office, yeah. <laughs> you know. But before, we used to have to work in factories. you used to have to work in farmland. Uh, if we were cavemen, we used to have to forage. We're like, you we were moving all of the time, so. That's number one. We have turned from uh, actual work work to knowledge work. So that actually goes against what we're trying to do in terms of fighting obesity. The next thing is, is that uh, the the invention of processed foods you talked about this already. You actually mentioned the fact that scientists make food as tasty as possible so it can be addictive to us for to Mm -hmm. eat. Right. There are literally scientists that are working in labs that are putting things together, being like, oh, my God. These guys are going to be really addicted to this. And they have just created all of this food to make sure that you never stop eating, that you never feel full, and you never stop
0: wanting to eat. And that is the thing about it. And, and it's crazy because I, I said it a little early in this episode, you know, I did a, I did a whole 30 and I got the, the best body of my life. And and literally on yeah. the, the day of this episode launch, I'm, I'm starting another one, and the the best thing about the Whole30 is the complete elimination of all processed foods. And I think that we, uh, of course, we think that potato chips and, and candy and all that stuff and soda are processed, but think about things like salami, uh, like, like prosciutto, you know, cured meats, things like that. And when your body is deprived of these processed foods and you start, number one, regular whole foods start tasting better. And you stop wanting these foods enough because the desire that we have for them is unnatural, right? It's created because of all the stuff that they put into this food. It's kind of like alcohol,
1: right? If you stop drinking alcohol, you feel great. And then once you start drinking it again, the day afterwards, you're like, what the heck? A Mack truck just hit me right
0: now. I'm literally going through that today. <laughs> I have friends in town, and it's just like, God, we just been – and I mean my friends drink, okay? And, like, you know, I'll, I'll have one cocktail, and I'll have a couple of, of, of hard seltzers or whatever, but you just feel bad. And there was a part of me that was thinking about going on this Whole30, and it's like I'm a little nervous about it because I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm not going to drink for a month. But I forgot how good it feels to just not drink sometimes.
1: Yeah, and the and feeling that is like, I actually just had a client, he was like, uh, it, it's so funny. It's like, hey, Dan, um, I just got to be honest with you. I just ate a burger and fries. I told myself when I hit 180, I'm going to eat a burger and fries to reward yes. myself. And I actually asked him I, was like, I asked him, I was like, dude, okay, like when you're an alcoholic and you reward yourself for 30 days of sobriety with a glass of scotch, what do you think that's gonna do to you, my man? You know? And he was just like, you know what, like I actually do think that you're you're right on this. And and the thing is is that after he ate that, he's been eating he's been in like Whole Foods, been eating cleaning and all this sudden stuff, stuff, and after he ate that, he had like the biggest energy crash of his yeah. lifetime. And I tell him, I was like, That's how you
0: used to feel
1: every single yeah. day when you were eating that yeah. stuff.
0: And I mean and I think that fundamentally, um, this is about this is about healthy living, and I said, and, and we're not going to bring you into politics because you're a fitness and entrepreneur guy. We're not going we're not going to do that today. To and go, he needs he needs everybody in the political spectrum, no matter what. Um, but the thing about this is, is that it, it really does become a, a, about personal responsibility and about self control. So with that, you know, I'm going to start start my uh, physical fitness journey, and for all of you please check out Dan Go's Twitter account at FitFounder. It is a it's a great account because so much on social media uh, it is so divisive and it's so much of things that you can't really use and what I like about Dan's account is that he gives you tweets that you can use he gives you things that make you think and he also gives you amazing fitness advice. So on that I, I really do want to thank you for joining me. Is there one last thing you want to tell to the problematics before you go?
1: Uh, the pro- if there's one thing I would say to the problematics is just, it's just I just hope that you become the healthiest version of yourself uh, because when you become, when you actually take care of your body, when you get in shape, I really do feel that it leads to more money, uh, you know, more sex if you ever wanted that and more energy and that's kind of like what makes life really cool. So I really just wish you the, the healthiest shape that you're ever going to be in. And uh, if you ever need
0: help, let me know. All right. Thanks, Dan, so much for talking to me, brother. Awesome, brother. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.